Hello and welcome to The Game Is About Glory, your weekly therapy session with all things regarding Tottenham Hotspur 2023. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Milo and Ram. Hello, chaps. Hey, Steph. Yeah, and welcome back, Ram. Uh, since we last saw you, my friend Spurs have parted ways with the manager, but a DOF on some form of gardening leave and had an interim manager sent off for not saying a word in anger. <laughs> One thing's for sure, mate. <laughs> I just know that Milo will back me up when I say this. Tottenham Hotspur 2023 are stunningly adept at finding new ways to hit some really dramatic lows. And as we look back, at yesterday's injury time 3-2 defeat to Bournemouth at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, we're going to be discussing how we pressed the self-destruct button so spectacularly. And sadly, how it all seems to be infiltrating the stands and it's all getting a little weird, isn't it? I mean, you know, there is context to this result and there's context to the situation and we are going to get into that. Uh, but ultimately, it was all a little bit shambolic. And I uh, should we just get into it? Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do it. We'll start with the. Uh, <laughs> it's such a nice and gentle in- entry question. <laughs> it's sort of like the little calm prelude to the storm. What did we think of the team selection? And uh, and you know we'll do the second part of that, which is how did we play generally and uh, reflect on any tactical changes from last week against Brighton. So um, Ram, why don't you kick it off tonight? You were there, sitting in your season ticket seat in the South Stand. So, oh. Is that me? Yeah, am I am I queued on there? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was quite enjoying the calmness, Steph, that you were portraying because I know least, what's, what's coming up. Well, at least we managed to have a laugh before we've got grumpy, right? So yeah, anyway, exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Well, no, look, the, the starting eleven for me, there was no surprises there. I think taking current injuries into account, that's probably our, or you know, at least before the game, was our strongest starting eleven. So, you know, I had, I had there was no surprises at all. Um in terms of how we, you know, how we played, I thought we started brightly enough. I thought we were really positive, you know, up to the goal and trying to create and dominate, which isn't something we've necessarily seen a lot of, you know, the, uh, for this season for sure. Um and I thought Skip was one of our positives from this game because I felt like he really came out of the blocks and I felt like he was uh, um you know, he was quite a positive in the middle of the park. Um, I did think after the goal, I, at the time, I thought we, we came completely passive again. But actually, in hindsight, I don't think we were. I think we were still trying to create chances. Um, but I feel like we made Bournemouth feel more comfortable than they should have been. Um, and we gave them a bit too much time and space on the ball. Um, so then they looked like, you know, towards the end of the half and just before the goal, they looked like the home side feeling their way back into the game and looking to dominate when really we should have been turning the screw. Yeah, I mean, I think the selection, obviously, is the same as last week. Um, in terms of, you know, last week we talked about uh, effectively being a kind of midfield three in transition with Decky dropping deeper and Sun and Kane up top, which we saw again in the first half in this game. And I think it works quite well. I, I, I like Decky in that deeper position. I think it's somewhere um, that we might see him play you know, properly as he as he matures, as he, as he um, gets more experienced. And... Sun's form has definitely picked up since uh, Stellini and Mason have made that switch to playing him as the furthest forward. Um, so you know that's that's a real positive. It's it's you know one of the one of the improvements. You know we we, we one of the few improvements we've had over the last few weeks. And I thought actually, you know, say the starting lineup, I thought played pretty well. I thought we were comfortably the better the t- better team all the time that eleven were on the pitch, and the problems only really came. After long, they went off. Yeah, I, I, I've got to say, 
the team selection questions you've both said it's sort of it's sort of you know it's a non-issue really we can't do much more than we're doing we have some we have, we have some very key injuries that dictate the team selection every week but what this game more than any maybe this season reinforced for me is just how you know, how lopsided or how lop formationed maybe our squad is um I, I felt this is a game that we would have won comfortably if we had been able to accommodate a system with a, an extra creative midfielder that was i mean for me that screamed out in in the first half we were comfortably dominant and then you just think wow imagine if we had someone who can actually find those final passes a little more easily and we weren't so reliant on you know, stretching our wingback options to the very, very outer limits of our squad. I mean, let's face it, our squad has has injuries that are really, really impactful. So yes, the selection was what it was. I mean, I, I, I look at these players and, you know, we're going to get into the criticisms later, but what, yeah, I keep on seeing these criticisms about them, like, you know, not trying and hiding and all this absolute rubbish. I didn't see any of that yesterday. I mean, I, I thought for the first half an hour, we were comfortably, you know, pushing aggressive looking like we wanted to win this game of football and then we'll get into it um and and I suppose we should get into it now I mean you know there was a moment after our goal and we talked about this off record where Sonny came forward and nearly scored a second their keeper made you know what I consider to be a very underrated save then come a series of events that really you know they just seem to infect infest infiltrate any I word you can pick in that pantheon, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Uh, shall we start with the injury to uh, to Longley? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's the changing point in the game um, because we lack balance after that. I think um, early in the game, as I said, you know, up until that point, I thought we were comfortably the better side. We were pressing well. We were playing, you know, playing nicely. You know, obviously that first goal comes from a long ball from Longley out to Perisic, and then Perisic, um, you know, crosses it in for Sun. Um, so yeah, I thought we yeah we we were playing well. I think Bournemouth had a couple of chances from there, but nothing particularly threatening. Um, Larissa had made one decent save, um, but as soon as Longley goes off, you know we saw the first of you know several reshuffles in 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 defence where Romero goes to the left hand side to accommodate Sanchez on the right, um, which is probably the right decision at that point. In that you know we've seen Sanchez on the left, he's he's you know really poor there and he gets turned and you know a bit flat-footed and um he's just he's just never had any joy there um so you know we, we've seen that but then you know Romero's out of position you've you've lost that um that understanding that he's built up with Porro and on that side of the pitch he's playing with players no, he's less familiar with absolutely massive. and um you know and, and then you start you know the two the first two Bournemouth goals well, actually, all three of them come from that side. But the first two Bournemouth goals come from that side, and that lack of understanding between those players, you know, and with a, you know, central defender who hasn't started a game since October, and you know, is in a rotten run of form and doesn't suit the system, doesn't suit the way we play. So, Ren, before before you come in, I want to read a quote from Stellini. He said after the game, um, you know, with respect to uh, you know, perceived dropping back, uh, I think probably far more accurately, anxiety generally, I think we would say, um, after Bournemouth scored. His quote was, it's a habit from a long time. We allowed them to score from two mistakes. This isn't a tactical problem. It's individual mistakes. So, I mean, you know, from where you were sitting, you know, you're seeing the change in the back line and you're seeing, as as, as Milo pointed out, you know, y- you're trying to accommodate Sanchez in his least vulnerable position. But in doing so, you've potentially 
produce a double negative by putting Romero in his weakest position. So do you think Stellini's ass covering a little bit there or, or what did you see uh, from, from behind the goal? Because you've, you've got the wide map. I think both can be true. I think like he is arse covering, but also he is right that it was individual mistakes. However, I think that stems from from the, the issues we have playing in this system. And, you know, the one, once uh, that, that change had to happen, it was like an axis of chaos at the back, <laughs> which reverber- reverberated through the team. Well said. Um, and well and that's not that's not necessarily the fault of the players. Like they just, you know, that you can you can apportion blame across the board. You know, it's not just based on 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 uh, on whether it's it's either the players or the management. You know, it, it can be both. The answer can be everyone. But we, we, you know, when when Sanchez was coming on, I thought, and I was saying this to my mate Toby, who I sit next to, and we were like, where, where who's going to play where? Because this is going to actually really deeply affect the team, depending on how we do it. And we we weren't quite sure. And then once it was clear that Romero was going to play on the left, and I joked about it in our chat. You, I watched him as he was trundled to the left side, clearly having a bit of a strop. You know, because he just, he was like, I don't want to be here. That's my position over there. I'm very good where I am over there. Why are you putting me here? Um, and, and ultimately, I think he, he was right. I think, you know, you've also all got a point. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you in and just say, I just want to add this. I do think it did destabilize Poro as well, quite, yeah. quite heavily. I yes, mean, it did. you know, yeah. very, and so uh, that seems so. Anyway, Milo, I know you were. Uh, yeah, no, I think it. if you go through it, so just to statement, it's a habit from a long time. That's true. Yeah, this has yeah. been a problem since Mourinho was manager. Um, I think that's partly because we've had a succession of defensively minded managers who get us to sit deep and invite pressure on. So it, it's, it's, that's true. It is a habit from a long time, but I think it's been coached into them. Mm-hmm. Um, we allowed them to score from two mistakes. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, mm-hmm. this isn't a tactical problem. I'll come back to that. It's individual mistakes. Yeah. That is true. It, I think it is a tactical problem because, mm-hmm. as I said, we've had three managers in succession who've uh, wanted to sit back, play on the break, invite pressure, create space in behind and attack it. Um, and I think it's become a, a kind of reflex action to the team, even when they start mm-hmm. brightly. Can I mm-hmm. ask something just based on this three at the back? And it's, it is going off on a bit, a bit of a tangent because I can't think of one off the top of my head. How many teams or how many teams have had continued success playing three at the back and playing with those tactics as and I mean continued not like you know winning like Conte won the title after you know with with Chelsea and then it all went to shit the, the following season currently there aren't a huge number of teams who play three at the back no. um but you know, partly because you need specialist wing backs in order to do it um I mean you know Sporting Lisbon uh, Amarin plays at three at the back, but he doesn't. He doesn't uh, play on the break. He doesn't soak up pressure. No. It's a possession side. They yeah. play higher up the pitch. They're they're more attack minded. I, I think it's always a mistake to talk about formations. I think you need to look at tactics yeah. and roles. And you, you know that you can play on the break in a in a four four two. It's not. Um, and I, I don't think it's the formation that's the issue. I think it's the instructions and mm-hmm. and how we're setting up and how deep we play when we when we're when we're pressed. You know, we've had that now for well since since Potch went, and I, I just. I don't think we're going to... I think it requires wholesale changes in order to try and get past that. Yeah, I I, I think that maybe that's what I'm saying, like in more of a layman's terms, like when you look at who's won the title, uh, the Premier League title, for example, you've got Liverpool, City, both play four at the back generally. Um, Arsenal this season, if they win it, they're another team that play four at the back in general. Um, 
it just feels like if it's yeah. a tactic that doesn't seem to bring success. There was a trend after Conte did it at Chelsea, everyone copied it for a for a short while and then stopped. So Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's a fascinating question because we you know consistently we debate the performances of the three centre backs, yet consistently they are as as we're sort of agreeing, I think mm. they're, they're they're very important to the way this the systems have been set up by you know by the previous mm. manager. I mean I I think that, I think my issue with this is when we're dropping back, if that's a problem. If that's not what they're being told to do on the you know, on the training ground, why don't we see the coaching staff out on the touchline telling them all to push up, push up, push yeah. up, play with intensity? You never see that. The, you you no. didn't see Stellini on the on the sidelines between the two Bournemouth goals, which is the period we're talking about here. We didn't. They weren't telling them to do that. It's easy yeah. enough to generate a break in play. You you tell one of your fullbacks to go down after the next challenge and lie there holding their face, and then you can get people onto the pitch, or you get the players over to drink a, a bottle of water, and you can tell them what to do. Yeah, We've never right. done that. We never do that. So I I just don't believe that it's not a tactic. Yeah, I mean, I I think also a lot of this, uh, what you're saying is is absolutely right. You do expect, you know, you'd expect if that was the case, the Leans to be talking from the sideline, Ryan as well. I just think the general state of inertia that exists and and the reality that this is what he's got seven more games in charge. I, I think it undermines Stellini's authority to a degree, uh, both with the players and in general. And I think it sets a seed of doubt as to how far he feels he can push these players. And I think there's so many little su- psychological subplots going on that they default to caution. It's it's a problem. I, I, and I think the statement he made there, he's effectively blaming the players for it. Yeah. And I, I think that will undermine, you know, he, he won't have much authority with this squad anyway. And then blaming the players for that, um, I think will diminish that more. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 such a, it is it is such a mess. I mean, in that sense, because nobody's quite sure how far to push anything. I mean, at this point, I think it is worth raising. You know, and let's add a little mitigation here: no Davies, no Royale, no Bentoncourt, no Cessignon. Now, I would say one of those players is quite possibly as uh, assigned by us. I believe uh, earlier this season, this uh, you know the most important player in this squad, bar Harry Kane, and that's Rodrigo Bentoncourt not around changes a lot and i think we all agree that ben davies was you know in our current state a vital part of the squad neither mm-hmm. of them are there we don't even have cess we don't have royal as an option i mean imagine if we could go for you know <laughs> four at the back with royal as the fullback i mean it's it, it's there's so many things that are cramping mm. us right and also i think and this is not a reflection on Poro because of the it's just you know because they're different players but i think because royal is more defensively minded if he was playing yesterday, perhaps even with the jiggery pokery at I the agree. back, if he was in that right sided position, he probably wouldn't. He I, probably would have hoofed it forward, you I, know, rather than try and play I, out. It's all I, ifs and buts, but you know, I think I, I, perhaps. I, I think happen. I think we're ignoring plenty of times when him and uh, Sanchez played together, and heavy touches between the two of them created all sorts of problems. Uh, I think yeah, that's you know, th- They would be pressed and turned. That's what's happened before. Um, but you know, I think there is an option that you know you talk about four at the back, Steph. If you had Davis and you had um, Ryle fit, then you've got the option of um, you know Ryle, um, uh, Romero, Longley, and Davis would be a pretty balanced back four. Mm. You know, not champ- not title winning, but balanced. You could do that. 
Mm-hmm. And if you if you've got yeah, Benton I'm- Kerr there, if you've got Benton Kerr there, then a midfield three starts looking like a bit more of a you know potential you know option yeah. with him at the back, and then Hoybier and someone else uh, either side of him, and you know it starts looking like a more balanced side. Then yeah, do you know I- we we talk about like um we we do talk about like you know the, the, well, I asked the question about the back three and things like that, and about how the system might not suit certain players, but I I wasn't a fan of Longley until, but I've I've got become a fan of him since Conte's gone. And seeing him play since then, I've been like, oh, actually, yeah, I, I can get on board with this. And he he played a beautiful ball to, was it Perisic for the first goal? Mm-hmm. And I think he would be a good option alongside Romero. Yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. right in the back four. He's, he's uh, you, you're the kind of mind when you kind of buy something from Wish. Um, he, he, he's Vertonghen when you buy them from Wish, isn't he? he, this, he he's fine. He, he's Vertonghen light. Yeah. yeah. Diet Vertonghen. And, yeah. you know, he... he, he Nice range of passing, a bit he can be get brushed off the ball. Maybe he hasn't got that kind of desperate lunge that Vertonghen did when he got yeah, when he got past. But players' pants down. Yeah, but you know, there, there's that similarity. On that on that note, I saw someone yesterday call Stellini the Costco Conte. <laughs> oh, that's that's cruel, isn't it? That's pretty harsh. <laughs> And that's the thing. I mean, and that's one of the things. And look, in case anyone thinks that we're trying to make light of what's going on at the club right now, we're absolutely not. But you know, when the when and it's a good thing we didn't do this pod yesterday. I mean, so one of our uh, one of the people who listens to us a lot um, was saying, you know, is there an emergency pod? Um, we were like, no, no. You know, I think Milo said only if you know, be announced that Potch is now the new manager, you know, but it's a good thing because I was steaming mad yesterday, as I'm sure everyone was. Mm. Uh, but, you know, when you take a step back, you know, there are, an, there are a lot of mitigating factors right now. And there's a lot mm. of instability behind the scenes, a lot on the touchline. And let's go to the even bigger waves of instability uh, beyond the touchline that, you know, became a huge talking point um, after the game, quite rightly so. Uh, and we're going to talk about some of the morons in the stands. And they should mm. be called morons, and they will be on this pod, and we will continue. And those are the people who think it is absolutely salient and right to boo a football player before he's even stepped on the pitch, and then continue to absolutely give him pelters uh, uh, to the point where, you know, you're seeing a human being hang his head in, in uh, I mean, really, just sorrow. I mean, it was so sad to watch David Sanchez yesterday. And as we've discussed, his time at Tottenham has come and gone. I think we know that. I think he knows that. Um, But this is a player who is increasingly not been used by managers. He's asked to come in, do this, do that, do a bit here, do a bit there. He's not very good at doing any of it anymore, it doesn't seem. But he doesn't really ever have a chance to show what he can do. He's trying. He doesn't need you fucking idiots out there who are whoever whoever's booing, not you, our listeners, the idiots out there booing. He doesn't fucking need them, nor do we, right? I don't want to hear them. I'm sure you didn't want to hear them, right, Ram? I'm sure, no, Milo, you don't want to. We don't, like, what kind of joyless existence must you have to pay money? Like, you know, a lot of people that use the excuse when they, when they excuse people like this, they say, well, they pay their money, they should be allowed to express their views how they want. Yeah, that is actually true to a certain extent. But what kind of joyless existence must you have that when your team needs you, when, you know, when we're required to as fans to get behind the team, 
all we want to do is boo one of our own players. And it was, thankfully, it was a minority, but it was a loud um, minority that, you know, were, were booing him even before he touched the ball. As he was waiting to come on, he was getting booed. And it was, it was targeted. Um, and then obviously he's on, he's on a hiding to nothing from there. And, and then cheering when he, you know, when he gets taken off. And then, you know, the same people that are excusing these idiots sort of saying, oh, well, it was just sending a message to the board. You want to send a message to the board? Don't come. Don't pay your money to, to to be a joyless prick in the in the, in the crowd yeah. and a bully. I think, yeah, I, I think the thing is, is this has become you know quite a frequent occurrence over the last few mm. years. You know, obviously we saw um, uh, Royal get the same treatment earlier this season, um, and again was you know cheered being taken off, and um, you know as a result of that, he deleted all his social media um, yeah. profiles, which is what you know Porro did yesterday after getting dogs abuse after the game as well. And you know, this is a player who's. Was he 22 years old? He's only just joined the club. He's still settling into the league. You know, right. he didn't have the best, he didn't have the best game yesterday. Um, but you know, he's not going to get any better. You know, in terms of him, you know, when he goes home and deletes all those accounts, you know, what, what's he thinking about that club? Our, our club? What's he thinking yes. about, um, right. you know, his move here? His move it here. It's embarrassing. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, the one, again, and I go back to these morons who talk about lack of effort. One thing you'll never accuse Pedro Porro of is a lack of effort. Mm. He's obviously up for it. He obviously tries hard. He's trying hard. As we discussed earlier in, in, in tonight's pod, you know, losing his d- defensive part, the partner behind him, you know, when Romero gets shifted, that's going to alter his game. There's a lot of mitigating factors mm. that these plankton in the stands don't understand, it seems. And once again, I, I just think it's plain out. It, it, it's, it's bullying and it should be called yeah. out as that. And, you know, as we all know, bu- <laughs> bullies are usually wank. Well, bullies are always wankers. That's the point. Yeah. And I just, you know, they are not contributing anything positive to what's going on and yeah. actually you can edit that out milo what's i mean what a redundant sentence if anyone even remotely thought there was anything positive about booing a footballer just fuck off and stay out of our fucking club do, do you know what steph i can i i to a degree i understand you know when people in the stands i, I don't do it myself i've never done it but when they berate a player for you know if, if, if he's having a poor moment or something like that i don't get it i don't understand it but i get why they might do that and they have every right to do that because they do pay to be in the stands and stuff like that but to willfully act in a way that harms your team's chances right. individually to an individual player and as a team as a whole that's just stupid yeah it's just literally let's, stupid let's Let's move this on a bit. And I think you know, one of the things we've got now is that you know, if Long lays out uh, for the Newcastle game, we're in a position, you know, what do we do in defence? I, I don't think you can put Sanchez back in there. Play him you know, as sweeper. But you know, can, we play San- you know, can, you know, can we play Sanchez again? You know, does, this, does this force a change in formation? And, it, yeah, it could you know, do. Yeah. I, I, if, I think it, it has to. You know, if, if he's not fit for Man United, there's no way you can play Sanchez at home again. Unless, would, would they then play Tanganga? I mean, I don't. But Jaffet isn't. But Jaffet isn't yeah. any better than Sanchez. Yeah, no. it's, I mean, it's a coin toss between them. He's he's equally yeah. as ill suited to the formation. It still requires us to shift players around out of position mm. in order to accommodate him or play yes. him out of position. So, right. you know, does it force us into a back four? Yes. You know, do, I, you know and and yeah. you know, we were talking about this before we come on. If that's the case, you know, how you know we we the only. You know, wide defenders we've got are very much wing backs and unsuited to playing as full backs. They're not, you know, they're not defensively minded. You know, how do you shield that? How do you create a balanced team with those limitations? And I just think it's really difficult. You know, we talked oh. about all those players out and then you've got this as well. 
I'll bite first um, and I'll fold this into a question we do have in the notes about Dan Juma because he uh, he made an appearance, uh, obviously, uh, during the game. And I thought, you know, obviously he made an appearance during the game and had an impact. He had an immediate impact. Um, the first one was not so positive. He's slightly offside when Richie scored. Uh, but his uh, second uh, impact was, was hugely powerful. And generally speaking, he looked sharp. And so to answer your question, Milo, I think in this case, you have to look up for me. I'm just talking purely for me. I look and I say, okay, we're on to a loss here either way. If we try and flex to a three-man defence when we don't actually quite have the players to do it, especially on the left-hand side, you know, that's going to be an issue. If we play a back four with fullbacks who are not really fullbacks, who are faux fullbacks, if you will, um, we risk being, you know, we risk being a little too open. Being the sort of cavalier, non-professional manager or coach I am, I'm going to look and say, well, how can we play to our strengths right now? What are our strengths? And right now we're seeing Sonny hit a run of form. Harry Kane's consistently a strength, especially if he can play a little deeper and feed the likes of Sonny. Perisic seems to be finding some form. And I do think if we got Richard Allison on the pitch as well, we we would get some productivity. So for me, I would be going four two three three one with with Kane in the ten. I know that you have a, a, another system in mind, which I think is also good. But that that I nail my colours to the mast, and I admit it leaves us open. But I, you know, I don't know. To dare is to do, or to dare is to wither slowly and die. I don't know. I take the former. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I, th- I think that would be quite exposed, and I think the risk is is that um, Perisic and Poro can't get forwards because. Um, because we're worried about getting caught on the break, and okay. you know, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I would favour a four-three-three, which I see as kind of um, the easiest way to transition from a back three to um, to a back four without yep. losing some of the the, the wing backiness. So I'm thinking about Liverpool 2017-18 team when you had um, Robertson and uh, and Alexander Arnold getting forwards, and you had um, you know quite a stodgy Liverpool Function. midfield, functional midfield. <laughs> Um, who could shuffle across and cover them as they went forwards. And I think, you know, we've got quite a functional midfield, yeah. certainly with what's available. Um, so I, I, I could see some parallels there. And I think it's a way that we can allow our wingbacks to get forward and still play as wingbacks, um, but provide co- cover. I also think, you know, that way, um, you know, when, when we get forward, when we're attacking, you would effectively have one of those dropping into a, into a three man defence push forwards and it becomes a three two five in in um, in attack, um, which again isn't too too much of a different shape to we've got now. So I I think that's probably the easier one for me. I mean I think both, but I, I don't really have an opinion on it because I think both of you have made a strong case for yeah. for you know for for each formation. I think four two three one romantically is you know obviously Poch's system, so I'd be like, oh yeah, let's go back to that. <laughs> but um, but the four three three, I, I agree. I think because we have a functional midfield as opposed to a hugely creative one, I think that that's that, again that's playing to the team's strengths yeah um so if you have that midfield you know um of uh Hoybier, Saar and Skip they're, they're going to do the job that is required in that system I, I mean I, I think we have to admit that none of this is ideal these, these aren't you know Dyer isn't going to be great in a midfield two sorry in a defensive two he's going to get turned yeah. it's, it's a risk um you know none of you know that midfield is stodgy um it's 
it's yeah. yeah, but I don't think there are any good choices now. I think it's kind no, of what's no. the least well, worst. No. But that, that that's exactly just what we were saying at the top, wasn't it? It's like you know nothing's ideal, and and we're all you know it's it's a case of the lesser of two evils and so on. I mean, I think the only reason that I would stick with my four two three one is because, quite frankly, I'd probably be nervous of one of the three midfielders getting an injury, and then we've got absolutely mm. no one to come in. The other thing is, you know, it could be if you play a four two three one, it could get a little, it could have a little bit of a, it could get a little wonky, if you will. I mean, you could push. Push Poro, and I mean, I just don't see Perisic. <laughs> well, I mean, Perisic you know, sitting back if, a little more anyway, but I don't all, know. all we could do is we ended up yesterday with a 4 2 4 with yeah. Harry Kane in central yeah. midfield. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> which, which, and we should, we should address this. Number one, let's let you know the what was it the 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 primark what was it the primark conti what was what was uh, the Cos- costco, costco costco conti the costco <laughs> conti uh you know poor old poor old stellini let's give him and ryan mason their due they saw the yeah. situation at hand realized that it was actually you know uh pretty fucked and went for it they they just threw forwards any, on i don't think, oh, they they option. I don't I think... Mean, there was there was no shape there was no tactics other than fuck, well, that's better. just attack. But, exactly. But, Milo, but, I'm so, but, but Milo, hey, that's still, something we haven't done. Yeah, exactly. But Milo, if that if Conte was there, we would have, he would have put on a couple more defenders. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, mean, okay, let, let's hold on to this 2-1 loss. Taken off, <laughs> taken off Sun for... Um, yeah. He would have taken off Sun for uh, Sanchez or brought, Sanchez, uh, brought Jaffet yeah. on. And- <laughs> well, I put Jaffet on. And, I mean, so, I mean, and, and look, we, we laugh. I mean, you know, I'm well, not a great stats person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a great stats person, as you all know, but I mean, I couldn't help but catch, you know, the XGs and the shots on target. I mean, we, yeah, we had, shots. I, I, I mean, we, you know, and let's, well, wow, we're, start, we're starting to sound like excuses and mitigators for everyone. <laughs> Soon someone, someone's going to send flags and say, Daniel Levy pays for your pod, doesn't he? It's like, nothing to do with that. But we do have to call it <laughs> But as if, it he'd like to, if he'd if like he'd to, like I'm to, very, yeah. very happy to take his money. I'll, yeah, I'll happily fly the flag for <laughs> Daniel Levy. If he, well, he's, well, give, he's given his money to lesser people, hasn't he? The likes of Conti well, and, that, and, and Mourinho. Well, so give, give us some, Daniel. Yeah. We'll, yeah, but, we'll do it for what? Six, six seasons? And tickets in the posh seats and yeah. um, slap up meal <laughs> before and after every game. Uh, uh, tunnel club or nothing. <laughs> Full tunnel club or nothing. Yeah. That's right. I like that. But yeah, I mean, but let's, but seriously, for all the hurly burly, uh, higgledy piggledy, whatever we want to call it, of the last like 20 minutes, it nearly worked. Yeah. I mean, if oh, yeah. Richie, I mean, you'd expect yeah, Richie yeah. to bury that header. And I, I think if he was a little more match fit, a little more match sharp, he buries that. And- uh, and, just, and then it's game over. But it's not just him. You know, Kane had a header from a Poro yes. um, yeah. cross yes, earlier yeah. there. Yes. There was Skippy's shot from distance. There yeah. was uh, a cross from uh, Poro to Perisic that he fluffed. Yeah. Um, there were there were plenty of chances, you know. And and before that, before Bournemouth scored, you know, you talked about the sun chance, but there were two or three other chances before then as well. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. XG... Um, it was two point three one to us. Uh, one point. Uh, where are I? I've got? I've got a note of this down here. Um, where are we? Um, and now I've lost it. It's at the <laughs> top of my notes. One point two one to yeah. to Bournemouth. So you know we're we're comfortably better. You know the chances they got, all three of them were from defensive fuck ups from defensive, us. Yeah. Um, you know just you know just to balance this out from our kind of happy clapping and and pleading mm-hmm. for Levy to chuck us money. Um, you know. <laughs> The first one, you know, you've got you know, Sanchez miscontrols a pass from Dyer. Um, Bournemouth are pressing. He's going to break the goals down. 
No, He's I'll just it. go through. I'll just go blame it, relay the blame through. But, you know, <laughs> Bournemouth are pressing us then. Pass to Porro. Porro the, Porro's run down the line's covered. He comes inside. He's crowded out. At that point, you've got uh, Sanchez, Dyer, and, and Hoybier coming in who should be able to cover it. And, and Lloris doesn't do well enough. Um, you know, second, you know, second one again, you've got, you, you've got a catalogue of players there who, who are to blame for each of them. And, hmm. um, yeah, but, yeah, we should, they shouldn't, wherever those errors are made, the, the initial errors are made, there should be, in each of them, there's enough covering players to come back and, uh, and stop the goal, apart from the third one, I think. Although, you know, I think on the third one, Hoybier should do better. And, you know, and unfortunately, this kind of him waving a player past him while he dangles a leg in the air is becoming an unfortunate <laughs> habit. And I think he's become a bit of a, a defensive liability this kind of second mm-hmm. half of the season. And, you know, if I was an opposing manager, I'd be saying just run at him because he won't, he won't do anything. Mm. He's, he's I mean, we, I think you, I, I wasn't on the pod, but I think you've discussed him before where he's not actually play again, another player who's not really playing in the position that is to his strength, you know, and, that, uh, and, and it's not just, where he plays. And he just, I can't quite figure out of all the players who responded to Conti's comments. And I mean, there weren't that many, but he was the first out of the traps. He was the most sort of, I thought, ruffled by it. I mean, he sort of th- almost threw down a challenge back at Conti. And I wonder if the combination of fatigue and this weird season and, you know, what happened there. Uh, I just wonder, sometimes I'm watching him and he just doesn't look like he's enjoying his football at all. And he's a player mm. that usually enjoys his 95 minutes. You usually see that. He doesn't look happy and he's not affecting games in a way that I think I, he likes to. And I just can't figure it out. I mean, I, I think I think most of what you said there is probably the case. I think, you know, he has had injuries this season. He has played a lot of football. Um, so I think he's tired. I think he's fatigued. Um, and I think... I mean, I personally, I think his time at the club is probably up. I, I would be, he'd be a player that I'd be quite willing to see leave in the summer. Um, you know, thanks for the good service. He's, I think he's, you know, he's suited to that counter-attacking game that we've been playing where we're sat back. If we want to play on the front foot, if we want to be, uh, you know, better in possession, right. I don't yeah. think he suits that. But I mean, but realistically, I mean, when we come to the end of the season and we do our squad review, I'll give you a teaser oh. now. I'm prepared to sell everyone at the club other than Porro, Romero, Benton Kerr, Decky, and the kids. I think that's it. I think everyone else everyone else would be would be available for me. It's just, I just don't understand why you hate Royale. I I <laughs> I don't. I don't. I think I've defended him plenty in the past, but I think I'm joking, but, well, I'm joking. But I think you know. I think I think you've got, you've got to look at saleable assets, haven't you? You've got to look, got to look at saleable assets. I'm just imagining. I, I, just, I guess know, we could he, get could, about 140 million for Royal. So yeah, he's a very saleable. You know asset. the meeting I want to see in the summer. I want to see. I want to see the interview up for director of football. And I would love to see Milo interviewing with Daniel Levy for the job and put his prospectus down and his and 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 his analytics and his statistics and I guarantee they'd definitely be up there with some that Daniel Levy's seen and I'd just love to hear I'd love to hear those words come be spoken to him at to Daniel Levy by Milo frankly Daniel I'd sell all of them except for this 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 and this <laughs> I'd pay good money to see I'm, that be great obviously you can't sell all of them I just say that all of them will be available at the right price there we are and, there we are yeah and I mean, funny enough, I was talking to a mate online this week about uh, without Scott Munn coming in, and um, 
we were joking saying that you know if, if i was scott munn i think my first words to levy was like you really fucked this up you know, <laughs> How, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and we concluded that maybe neither of us fitted the, the corporate culture at spurs and we wouldn't last long if we got in <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's funny you asked this question earlier, Ram, about like, you know, he's sitting there in his stands, he's listening to this. I mean, you know, the, the, without wishing to go into psychology half hour, what the hell is going on in his head when he hears this? Yeah. Does he double down? Does he think, fuck these people, I'm going to show them? Or does he finally admit that, like, you know, I, I, I may need to uh, actually admit that I did fuck it up and I, I, I need help because he has fucked it up. We're here talking again about the last three managers who have, um, and, well, all right, the last two managers. Let's not count a poor old, um, uh, I Nuno. always Nuno. forget his name, that lovely man from Wolves. Um, Nuno, let's not count. Uh, you know, who play a system that is antithetical to, to that that we're used to. I mean, he really has fucked it up. And I think, well, I suppose that the measure of how much he wants to admit that is going to dictate our future. Uh, Milo's already given you a preview of our squad, what our squad looks going to be this summer. I'm going to try and reel us back in because my oh my, I feel that we could go off on a right old tangent here and it would be fun (laughs) to discuss and therapeutic. Let's not pretend it's all therapy right now because with seven games left, I think anyone talking about Champions League top four places, while statistically, uh, you know, uh, still within range. I think you're a little bit potty if you think it's really going to happen, right? I mean, let me ask you that flatly. I mean, do, you know, before we get into the final, are we potty to even think that we could make the top four this season beyond statistics? I mean, statistically, we can. Do you I th- feel I it? Think it's, I think that I, I don't feel it at all. And I, I think actually we're we're looking at, for, for me personally, we're looking at further down the table. I don't think we'll finish any lower than like sixth or seventh, but we're looking further down the table. However, the way this season is going across the board, apart from the top two, mm-hmm. anything could happen. In the, you know, and, and seven games in, the, in, a, in a season like this is actually still a lot of games, a lot of football to play. To play. Yeah, I mean, I think because so much of the... Um, the chasing pack have to play each other. I think it's quite difficult mm. to predict what's going to happen. Um, one second, I, I have got. I've, I've done a table on the run-in. So before I do that, um, I was looking at the form table. So I've taken the um, the results since the first of February. So it's mm. about ten or eleven games, depending on how many you've uh, how many games you've played. Since God, then, I'm scared, Ram. I'm scared. <laughs> so since then, we're. Uh, we're sixth. So City, oh, Arsenal, oh. Villa, Man United, <laughs> Brighton and Spurs. Probably in, in that order. Now, home, guess where we are at home? So form, well, form, I mean, the way table, you said that, we're table, what, probably yeah. number two or something, right? Yeah. Even first, though I think we're number ten. First that's, in the Premier League since the first of February. Bad. Oh my god! First oh, with Man United, Arsenal, Champione, City below us. Champione, <laughs> Champione's at home. Away form since the first of February. Where do you think we are? Twentieth, eighteenth, bottom, third from bottom. Eighteenth. Wow. I called it <laughs> only because but, there's not many other places to guess. But if we'd won yesterday, we would have gone up to eleventh. So oh, wow. everyone's away form is shit. Basically, apart from ignore City and uh, City and uh, Arsenal, everyone's away form is shit. Wow, I'm really looking forward to my trip to Enfield Man- in a couple of weeks. Man- it's going to be an Man- absolute stunner. <laughs> Man United today jumped from fourth from bottom, so they were only one place above us to ninth uh, on away form. 
Oh, well, I like this. Al- I like this alternative yeah. table. Can we just discuss the home form table from now? <laughs> can we actually present the club? If we if we maintain first, can we give ourselves a title at the end of the so, season? Make a so little cup, hold it up so on air. If, so if we look at who's got to play home, so um, Newcastle not too bad. So in terms of the chasing pack, they've only got to play us, um, and then tricky. They've got Arsenal at home, Chelsea away. Um, Man United got to play. Us away, Villa at home, Brighton away, out of the chasing pack. Um, and just to remind listeners, Man United have to play the number one home team in the Premier League yeah. since Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got Newcastle away, Man United home, Liverpool away, Villa away. So, uh, but you know, you win if we if we won if we turned away our away form, turned around our away form and won some of those, then it, it leaves it wide open. Villa have got to play the chasing pack, Man United away. Us at uh, home, so Villa Park, mm. Liverpool away, Brighton at home. Uh, mm, Brighton, have got, Brighton have got Man United at home, Villa away, but they've also got to play Arsenal away. Uh, Liverpool have got us at home, Villa at home. Um, yeah. So with so many of those teams got to, have got to play each other, I think it's really difficult to tell. And, I think, yeah. I think Villa have such a huge say. Yeah in where people are finishing, where teams are finishing in Europe. But also I'm I'm hopeful that that actually means we'll probably finish above them because they're that run-in where they're playing everyone around them. Oh, I, but I, I think t- we might have the second hardest run-in. Oh, yeah. I mean, I take another positive from that whole thing. It's a slightly abstract positive, which is we can now happily uh, enjoy people beating Arsenal and still know that Man City will win the league. So, I mean, that's a good thing. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Do you know the really good one, though? So last day of the season, Brighton are at home to Villa. So in terms of that chase for European places, yeah. we can't do it to ourselves. Why do we do it? No, but, yeah. but this is actually, so, but this is the nature of supporting a football club. You should fucking do this to yourselves. So, yeah, we should yeah, believe, yeah. even yeah. when it's unbelievable. I, yeah. I'm not, I'd rather do this than boo our own players. Thank you. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about Champions League here. I'm talking about European places. Uh, I'm talking about Champions League. Liverpool are the team <laughs> who are outside the European places. So Liverpool are nine points behind us, having played two games fewer. But their form is worse than ours. Yeah. What a bizarre season. Christ. I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be really difficult because all of those teams are going to be taking points off each other and no one looks good enough, maybe apart from Villa on current form, to put a run together. You know, it's going to be difficult for for Liverpool to, to leapfrog us, I think. We, we and, could literally do like a but, comedy stumble. Yeah, and like ministry of, ministry of silly four. walks over the <laughs> but, line. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think, you know, the risk is that you fall over the line into the Europa, Europa Conference and then you've got... No, no. Let's finish no. eighth. Let's, we <laughs> it's, it's, for, it's fourth or nothing for me. It really is. But it does bring us actually to, uh, you know, the uh, sort of closing in on the on the end of the pod here and it brings us to uh, sort of a, a double barrel question here. We've sort of addressed this, but I'll formalise it. Um, you know, uh, we were caught out late on. We've gone over that. We've, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, throwing the hell for leather forward and going for it. I, I sense that we all on the balance of it were quite happy to see that because by God, it's better to, it's better to die trying than wither on the vine and not do a, a damn thing. And a point would have made much difference. Correct. So, so actually, so, that, so a draw isn't a lot better than the result we got. Three yeah. points so, would, have made a, would have made a big difference. So it was yeah. definitely worth going for it. 
and, yeah, and so we were doing quite well. We were, yeah. and as we've pointed out, we you know, but for you know a rusty touch, if you will, uh, we're with you know we are the ones who take the lead, and I don't think we lose it from there. So you know that being said, and the conversation we've just had about European competition, or shall we say specifically trying to get into the top four, you know, uh, should we? You know, <laughs> what what do we feel the approach of the rest of the season? We're, we're agreed that we've got to go for something more attacking. We've agreed that we're going at some you know defensive four, and whether it's a four three three or four two three one, that's what we'd like. To see right i mean we want to see uh, that that depends on fitness if if, yes. if long is fit then I, I would carry on with what we're doing because okay. that's i think that's the best deployment of what we've got okay um okay and then, so but fi- if he's not then while he's out then it's kind of what's the least imperfect okay and then ram you're on board with that right yeah i'm okay. on board with that i think so, yeah so let's just, and this is the big, big question right now, because it's starting to rumble up in, you know, in the court of public opinion, as these things do, you know, uh, should we consider calling time on Stellini's stint as caretaker manager? My, my thought, and I'll cast mine first, I just do not, I do not see the point right now of doing that. I don't see what it would achieve, but I could be completely wrong. I, I got it wrong thinking that his continuity would be a good thing. It, it doesn't necessarily seem to have worked out that way. So what do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I we can go back to when uh, we parted ways with Conti. I just think we could have could have couldn't do much worse just having Mason in charge um, until the end of the season. I know, obviously, he was on um, paternity leave, though, wasn't he? But would, um, but yeah, I, what 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 would it would it have been any? I won't say worse because we didn't. We actually, in hindsight, we've talked about it. We weren't truly awful yesterday, but like, yeah, you know, we've kind of we've let go of the guy who was we considered toxic and his you know it wasn't working but we've kept his whole backroom team there to just carry on doing like you know carrying on his legacy as it were and i don't know many other teams that would do that um and i don't you know i don't know if it will work but then it might just completely upset the apple cart even more if we just get rid but i I would say why not just go with mason yeah i think i agree with that i mean mason's wife Gave work, gave birth. I think a couple of weeks ago now. So if everything's okay at home and and it's settled, then I think um, that reason for not appointing him is probably gone. I, mm. I, you know, Steph, if you want more attacking football, I don't think that's going to happen with Stellini. I think you know it is a continuity. It's been a continuity approach, hasn't it? And the, when we were attacking, um, you know, late on yesterday, that was um, because we were out of all other options. That said, I thought we were pretty good until. I thought we were okay until long. It's pretty good, might be a stretch, but I thought we were okay until long. They went off, um, but I think if we want that change of approach, if we want to try and go for it, then I think maybe you know Mason with Chris Powell, Jermaine Defoe, and maybe Yaya Torre or you know someone else, you know Michael Vaughan coming in as um, goalkeeper coach. I think might be the only way we're going to get that change. I think realistically, the only way this happens is if Potch or Nugglesman say that they're willing to take the job now, realistically. Yep. That's absolutely right. If there's a manager that's already lined up, and you're right to talk about the uh, the continuity uh, of it, which is uh, essentially <laughs> what we have tried to do. And uh, it, it was a gamble. I mean, you know, you, you, you're looking for the path of least resistance to get the most performance out of these players. You probably are looking and thinking, well, they know this system. Maybe we can get them through it. You're looking at the fact that Conte, uh, you know, kind of talked himself out of it. I think it was a bomb that was dropped. We've got into all of that. And they've shocked the, the, you know, and, but look, it hasn't, it hasn't really worked out, has it? So yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I scratch my head and I'm not sure which approach. I like hearing what you both said because 
I, I think it would be fun, but I've got to tell you, I don't think it would improve anything. No. Can I just give some traction to my own conspiracy theory um, that I put into our chat yesterday? As long as you rephrase the, uh, the the words conspiracy theory and make them and, and make them sound more intellectual, your own um, profound uh, inner thoughts. My own profound enlighten, enlightenment. Thank you. Um, of when Jürgen was being uh, interviewed by mm. uh, Paul and I said that he definitely looked like mm. he knew something. And that he looked like the cat who had got the cream. And then when Paul said to him, how does it feel to be here? And he said, it's good to be home. So who knows? Well, who knows? It's not It's not Klinsman because he's just taken the South Korea job. So it's definitely not him. No, no but just for the short bridge. You're talking about for the last seven games, right? Exactly. Jürgen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come in, yeah, help yeah. us out. I, I'd be on board with that sort of lunacy. <laughs> I mean, just I mean, for, for no reason other than it would make me feel good, but it would be lunacy. But. Even in failure, there are echoes of glory, <laughs> and that would be just the most wonderful end of season. <laughs> he could go up to Liverpool and come off the bench as a player, registered player coach and score in the 95th minute again, <laughs> win the game. Oh, I'm interested, Milo. Would you uh, would you be uh, excited to see Jurgen in for the last seven games of the season? Let's be the pod that seeds that rumor, that theory. Let's see it go viral. Jurgen is being talked about as the interim right. manager for the last seven games of the season, as broken right. exclusively by the game is about glory. I don't think he's a very good manager. I think for the last seven games season, yeah, possibly. But I don't. I think it's a bit disrespectful to South Korea to start talking about poaching their manager for we're not just borrowing him for a bit we're just borrowing let's him. say you could borrow him for a bit and south korea were like this is fantastic we'd like to see him get to know sunny better it's going to help our national yeah. cause yeah there you no, go okay. I'm, the, I'm the president of korean fa i've given it my blessing <laughs> seeing as you're meeting levy in the summer what do you think <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't race him as a manager but yeah fine Excellent. He's on board for the round. And there it is, everyone. We have broken the news that there is going to be. Most, <laughs> that's the most enthusiastic I've seen Milo about one of our, one of our schemes. One of our schemes. One of yours and mine. Yeah, sure. wacky I, schemes. Okay. Yeah, fine. Anything yeah, yeah. to just end this. Anything to appease these, 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 uh, if, these if you want children. To, if, you want, if you want to see me happy, I've got something I could, could raise with you. Go on. Okay. Chelsea are only 12 <laughs> points off the relegation places. Oh, and fantastic. On the, and on their current form, <laughs> they could definitely yes. get sucked into it. Definitely get sucked into it. Bowley ball oh, at its that finest. That would be lovely. That I mean, would be so good. Arsenal choking the title yeah. from being 11 points clear at the turn of the year. Yeah. And Chelsea getting relegated after sen- spending 0.6 of a billion pounds on transfer yeah. win- <laughs> uh, transfers this season would be just... I, I, uh, do you know what? Uh, I'd, I'd take yeah. Europa Conference after that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I would even, I would even allow after our relative six, seven year, uh, you know, reign as being like, you know, the best team in London. I, I, I'd take a, re- a trip back to the nineties when we could gloat at the failures yeah. of others. Well, actually, we couldn't love them, but you know, yeah, I, I, I'm on board. That would be fine. And they, they were getting all giddy and putting the bunting up for St. Totteringham's Day today. Yeah. And it <laughs> didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, if they'd got three points. I mean, it all happened. But, you know, it's another week where they were getting giddy about it. And, and there we are still a part of their uh, their thinking. Yeah, exactly. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, no, and, and this is what football's all about. You have to find the joy where you can. And if you can't well, directly mate, find it in, you know... Uh, uh, 
chaotic, the, catastrophic 3-2 home defeat yeah. against Bournemouth. Let's find it in the thoughts of Jurgen Klinsmann <laughs> taking over seven games. Let's find it in the in Chelsea possibly getting sucked into a relegation battle. Let's find it in the goons choking. I, I This is good. So, in a cohesive and well-constructed pod discussion, which, by the way, has been a lot of fun, um, let's have some closing thoughts. Uh, one positive and one negative. I'm not going to say in 30 seconds. We haven't managed that all season. <laughs> so, let's just go <laughs> three, two, one. Um, oh, come on, one of you just charge in and, and so take it up. I've, I've got a positive. So, Sonny's you know, improved form and playing him in his best position um, is the bright spark of the kind of last few weeks um and if we're going to get anything out of this season then hit him hitting form now is the way it's going to happen um so yeah i think that the negative you know we talked about um sanchez a bit larice it, it was occurring to me during the game that this is probably the last we're going to see him of him in a spurs shirt he's a shadow of what he was and it's a bit of a sad way for him to bow out my negative would for me was uh davo being booed it's just completely unhelpful um and unneeded especially when we're all trying to pull together now and, and actually salvage something from the season um my positive um echo what milo was saying about sonny i also think dan juma um is knocking at the door uh for a start i think you know he's been really positive he's really trying to force his way into the team um and it's nice to feel excited about a player it's a question actually we had earlier on which we didn't pick up he's available let's say we're meant to have a i think it's about 20 million option to buy in the summer would you buy him at that yeah i haven't seen enough of him and i would the way that we spend money 20 million could be the difference between getting someone who's really good for 40 or so so i haven't seen enough of him i like what i'm seeing i want to see more and hopefully we will do 20 million isn't much for a decent forward these days yeah but i just i I don't know how good he is i mean he he comes on i just want to see him more but yeah i I mean i agree i i I think based on what we've seen i think that would be good value if if that was if 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 you could sustain if you could sustain that form but i agree i think on a handful of three more goals two or three more goals in five or six more appearances and i think i would be like hey there's promise here and it and it could well work because he seems like he's fairly adaptable as well it seems like he can play a couple of different roles up there so uh you know that that certainly makes him you know interesting it looks to me like he could even play as an out and out number nine as well i don't know mm-hmm. maybe i'm just he has being bamboozled by his physicality yeah no he, I mean, has he looks like he's got a bit of everything so yeah i mean it's it, it's wholly possible um but you know it's, this is tying into another conversation which we'll have i'm sure at some point whether you know would he fit in with whoever the next director of football's vision is i mean it's it, yeah it's an interesting question i'd like to see more um but uh i think my positive actually uh, as, as 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 sort of you know i don't know chitty chitty bang bang as it all was uh i was really excited to see uh you know us at least try and win a game uh or get back into a game with you know with a bit of chaos you, i don't know you, see you all hate, those forwards you hate on the tactics pitch. don't you you hate tactics no, it's just like no no i <laughs> yes. I, I enjoy t- i enjoy tactics and i actually think that uh when deployed uh what i don't like what i don't like are formulaic tactics that are like you know someone prescribes a tactic as being the way to do it and then that becomes the trendy way to do it i actually liked seeing harry kane drop back into midfield yesterday because he is the only passer we've got and i actually enjoyed the fact we found a way to get all those forwards on the pitch albeit it was probably one forward too many for me if i'm completely honest because then they all do it, end up it getting in their crowd- way it does get a bit crowded getting their way, they get in but... each other's way and i think that you know and that was probably the problem i had but i can't say i didn't enjoy it 
It was enjoyable. I would have had one less attacker up there, but I still would have been dropping Kane into midfield, and I probably would not have taken um, um, Skippy off either. I thought Skippy was the was the more progressive of our midfield players and the more dynamic. So there were things I didn't like, but uh, yeah, no, it's interesting you say about tactics because I I just you know I'd say I've got a vision. I think that your ideal is like when a load of dogs chase a football. <laughs> it's it's not like that. It's not like that. Frank, frankly, I find that a little patronising, but I understand the humour. Um, I'm not. Af- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not afraid to wear it on my sleeve, and 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 uh, you know, I'm not afraid to wear it on my sleeve. I enjoy a tactic that doesn't necessarily fit in with uh with with you know, the, the 2022, 2023. This is what we're playing. Uh, so, yeah. but yeah, I, I I likewise with 20 minutes to go. I admit, sometimes I enjoy something that puts a cat amongst the pigeons a little bit because I, I one thing I will one thing I will agree to agree with, and I think this is maybe more seriously what you're trying to sort of get at with my perspective. I do tend to look at things psychologically uh, more than tactically. I will agree with that. I think that my psych, you know, I really value psychology in a game during football very heavily, and I do think sometimes you have to change the momentum in football beyond the chalkboard. You maintain your shape, you maintain some discipline, of course. Sometimes you have to do something that switches the electricity on in the football ground. Do you know who was good at that? Early Mourinho, I thought, was great at Mm. psychologically. Aggressive subs. Yeah. I think it's very important. You know, I think it's an important thing. I mean, the game ended up a bit like a a cup game, didn't it? Well, it Mm. it ended up like a kid's cup game. Yeah. It was Mm. mental. Did you see when when we kicked off after they scored their third goal, all of our players were on the halfway line, just ready to just... I mean, pounce right. forward as soon as the ball was played back because it, it was yeah. what we had to do to try and salvage something. But I think, and I don't want to drag this out too long. I do think it's fascinating. I think, that, you know, it's this constant battle in football. And we'll get into this in the summer because I think it's a fascinating conversation to have. Total control versus being able to feel a moment and go off mm. script. And I think that that balance right now in modern football is 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 it's vital it's it's and it's huge and it's one of the things that i'm watching with man city who i thought were were pretty off color for two-thirds of the season but my word they seem to have found a way to marry both of those things as they come into the run-in i mean i have to say watching some of their recent performances they look unstoppable and they also Mm. pep does do some stuff that people don't understand myself included and i i enjoy that i like to see that and so when I say it was, uh, when I say it was a, a positive, I think what I meant was just, my God, someone on our fucking touchline doing something other than sticking to an 80th minute sub and playing <laughs> this turgid, turgid shit and thinking that we're going to be able to grind a result out of it. So, you know. The, the use of subs was good yesterday as well, actually. I think it was 55th yeah. minute, wasn't it? Weren't once uh, when Dan Juma yeah, came yeah. on. Um, yeah. So we were a bit yeah. more proactive in sub use of subs weren't we yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's it, 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 again the, my dream of all of this ram is that someday some uh, poor s- sad person uh, in the world of football is going to listen to to milo and myself and think there there they are the dynamic duo between the pair yeah. of them between the pair of them we'll, we'll, we'll have the greatest team ever because we'll have lemon boy in the corner like waving his incense and saying feel the moment guys and then we'll have the tactician and we could you know but it would be uh it would be it could work beautifully uh, and, and by the way milo don't cut any of that uh, don't cut what you said and don't cut what we've talked about no because i think it's a really really fun and important bit of conversation about modern football and how we all watch football and what we value in football 
I think I think it's a really important yeah. thing. Should I get to my negative? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky we didn't put the 30 second barrier on it. Okay, my negative absolutely remains, and uh, you're both none. I would be surprised. You know, our supporters. Are, frustration i was angry about yesterday's game i was like oh for the first time you know these players really need to look at themselves blah, 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 blah. my reaction never in a month of sundays do you abuse footballers the way that some were abused yesterday and that goes for pedro porro i did not know that he had been copying it as well so mm. you know that has to stop i don't know how it stops but maybe it stops I, again we say this on the pod stand up say something i i do think sorry we're gonna i'm gonna take us off on another tangent here but i think this is probably an Great. important one as well Yep. I do think with the kind of toxicity around the atmosphere at the moment, it's a very difficult situation for a new manager coming in. And yes. I worry I, I worry about some of the lesser known or less established names on that list. So if you got company or if you got slot or if you got Amarin yep. or one of those those managers came in and if they didn't hit the ground running next season, I fear that it would get toxic and I fear that we would break them. I, I I could not agree more. And and I think there's a risk if it's not a Potter, if it's not a Nagelsmann who've actually you know got the experience and maybe you know got that immediate respect. I think there's a real, a very real risk that we break that manager and we ruin their career and that we're back to square one again. And I don't know how we turn this around. I think maybe Potch is the only one at the moment who could turn that around and get that goodwill no, and I, buy that time. I completely agree. And I think that this is, uh, you know, we're getting to that point and, you know, wow, we're going to have a lot to talk about in the summer. We're going to be talking about Daniel Levy at some point in the summer because increasingly everything is focused, even the ire in the stands. I think, truthfully, it, it's all expressions against, you know, that what has happened over the last few years and the, the perceived uh, and, and quite frankly, some of it very, very real um, behavior of, of the board and and, and mm. Daniel Levy himself. So that it's 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 coming to that. And yeah, my word. Well, we managed to find a lot to talk about. <laughs> Should we do the week that was? Oh my God, we're still going to do the week that was. I'm so sorry, I forgot. I thought we. Were... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> can I do one? Of course you can. You can read a week that was absolutely. You get Euro 2028. Sorry, carry on. So, Fabio Paratici has appealed FIFA's decision to extend his ban worldwide. It's a bit odd, this is, because he's, his appeal against the Italian ban is this week. The hearing is this week. And the worldwide ban comes from the Italian FA's appeal to extend that worldwide. So if he wins his appeal this week, you'd expect that the worldwide ban would fall anyway. So I don't know whether this is kind of legal shenanigans in order to try and you know help his case against the Italian FA. I don't know whether he expects to lose the appeal against the Italian ban, but hopes to get a worldwide ban overturned. I don't know. It's just really odd. Any thoughts? Or He's is it dead just to odd? Me. <laughs> He's dead to me. See you later, mate. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> appeal all you want. You're doing it for yourself. Come on around. <laughs> okay. Euro 2028. Our stadium has been included in the joint UK and Ireland bid to host Euro 2028. The insert sponsor's name here, Stadium, is listed alongside Wembley, the National Stadium of Wales and Cardiff, the City of Manchester Stadium, Everton's new stadium, St. James's Park, Villa Park, Hampden Park, the Dublin Arena and Casement Park in Belfast. Everton's new stadium? Yep. So there's two, sta- there's two stadiums there, so Everton's ground and Casement Park, that are either haven't been built yet or are being built. Wow. But it's, it's telling, <laughs> isn't it? You, you've got this, and the two most famous grounds in, this, in the country, Old Trafford and Anfield, aren't, yeah. aren't on the list. I mean, you couldn't have Old Trafford. Mm. It's, it's, you know, it leaks like a, like a colander. But yes. um, 
you know. Yeah, that is strange. Very interesting. Anfield isn't on it. I mean, surely Anfield mm. would step in if, if uh, Everton's new stadium wasn't ready. But what do I know? And actually, you know, whatever, right? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> We move on. I I, I avoided uh, the opportunity to call Old Trafford a shithole at this point because it actually is. Oh, I didn't, did I? Anyway, um, <laughs> an FA charge. Hmm. Spurs and Brighton have been charged for the argy-bargy between the benches in last weekend's game. The FA statement said, Tottenham Hotspur and Brighton and Hove Albion have been charged for a mass confrontation, I'm going to put on my path news voice, that took place during the 58th minute of their <laughs> Premier League game on Saturday 8th of April. It's alleged that both clubs failed to ensure their technical area occupants conducted themselves in an orderly fashion and or do not behave in a way which is improper. Tottenham Hotspur and Brighton and Hove Albion have until Monday the 17th of April to respond. And there we are. That's why Christian Stellini was on the sidelines yesterday. On the touchline, I should say, not the sidelines. He might be on the sidelines forever at this rate, but anyway. Mm. Any, any response? Do we want to take another pop at Deserby or not? He's a good coach, but he could do with piping down a bit. Yeah, but he's a bit of a weirdy beardy, isn't he? He is a weirdy yeah. beardy, yeah, right down to the actual way he shaves <laughs> I, that bloody thing. I, now, now that we've all turned against him, I'm, <laughs> I'm quite happy that I can start taking the piss out of his beard and shit haircut. <laughs> it's it's all it's all a bit nineties. It is all yeah. a bit nineties. He was even at it yesterday about the Graham Potter thing in his press conference. I must think uh, Graham Potter. Yeah. He is that thing. Graham Potter's just like it's like get over it, mate. Oh, Fly, mate. Good. Chippy yeah. little weirdy beardy, weirdy beardy, and uh, <laughs> that's it. You know, yes, uh, this was fun. I didn't expect it to be fun. I thought it was going to be a miserable, uh, you know, uh, trip to the the therapist's uh, chair where we, you know, realise there's no help and just, you know, we're all fucked. But it's fun. We've found some optimism in this season, maybe off the back of others, a little bit of schadenfreude here and there perhaps. But anyway, whatever we have to do, right, chaps? Absolutely. Indeed. Thank you very much uh, for, uh, for, you know, thanks thanks for being here. This has been good. (laughs) We'll be back next week to uh, discuss our game against Newcastle, as it is. Uh, so we will see you. A six-pointer, a Europa a League six-pointer, six po- a Euro- Europa Conference <laughs> six-pointer. The number one home home form team in the country, away from home, <laughs> away from home. Yeah, yeah, away from home. What could possibly go wrong? See you later.